Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Listening to another episode of Lords of Limited with your hosts Ben Warney and Ethan Sachs. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Warney, and joining me on the line is Ethan Sachs. Ethan, how you doing this afternoon? I'm doing great, Ben. We've reached double digits. Oh, holy crap! We have episode number ten. Yeah, man, that is awesome. I didn't even think about that. Pretty cool little guidepost there. Yeah, and you're fresh off an afternoon stream. How did that go? Oh, man. Afternoon stream was good. We went uh, 7-0. and Holy cow. Two three O's and then started a new draft and won the first game of that one. So that was pretty good. Yeah. Seems good. How are you doing? Doing well. Uh, I actually took the day off school today for a little uh, rest and relaxation. I've been School year's been a whirlwind to start with, and I was feeling a little overwhelmed. So slept in this morning and popped into your stream, and it's been a very relaxing start to the day. I love it. You have a really full schedule, man. I can't like you're you pull like three 12 hour days a week. Is that right? Uh, yeah, something like that. That's tough, man. Good for you. Uh, it's worth it. I love teaching. How's uh, how's the trophy race going for you these days with all your school? Well, I have come back to drafting after sealed practice for GP Indy, and it was a welcome back. Uh, thankfully, um, I've gotten in three drafts since our last episode, so I'm up to a total of 24 trophies. I added a trophy, 89 total drafts, 177 and 82 as my record with a 68% overall win rate. Nice. How about you? Um, I have secured fourth place on the trophy leaderboard. You're a monster. <laughs> well, I do like three drafts, four drafts a day. I'm a sicko. Uh, so I'm up to 54 trophies over 181 drafts win-loss record 354 to 165 for a 68% win rate. Awesome. Yeah, can't complain. So I've got a pretty interesting roundtable for you. So spoiler, we're going to be talking about Cube on this episode today, but we wanted to do uh, a roundtable draft of Hour of Devastation to keep keep things fair and balanced here. Um, So I've got a pretty interesting one for you that I think is relevant for where we are like seven weeks into the format. Uh, You ready? Lay it on me. Great. Okay, so pack one, pick one. You are looking at a pretty stacked pack. You've got Torment of Venom. That's the common two black black instant speed. Put three minus one minus one counters on a creature, and then your opponent has to either lose three life, sack a non-land permanent, or uh, discard a card. Puncturing Blow, two red red for sorcery. Deal five to something. If it dies, it gets exiled. Ambuscade, two and a green for the instant. Target creature gets plus one plus oh, and deals damage equal to its power to target creature you don't control. 
Ominous Sphinx, that's three blue blue for the 4-4 flyer that whenever you cycle or discard a card, you can have something get minus two minus O until end of turn. Appeal to Authority, this is the green-white uncommon split card. Appeal is one green to give target creature plus X plus X and trample, where X is the number of creatures you control. And Authority is the aftermath, one and a white, to tap two, up to two target creatures, and creatures you control gain vigilance until end of turn. And your rare for the pack is Hour of Promise, four and a green that says... You may search your library for up to two land cards, put them into play tapped, and then if you control at least three deserts, you create two 2-2 two, two zombie creature tokens. Yeah, this is a stacked pack, Yeah, and I don't think there's a very clear pick. I would be deciding between, I think, Hour of Promise. I think Hour of Promise is better than Ambuscade. But I think it's I close, agree. and if you have a preference for aggro, I wouldn't fault somebody for taking Ambuscade, like if you just really love the green-white exert deck or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's defensible to pick Ambuscade over Hour of Promise. Ominous Sphinx, and I think that's I think that's really it. I think I could rule out Puncturing Blow and Torment of Venom as slightly weaker than Ambuscade. And Appeal to Authority, while good in the green-white exert deck, not something I'm really interested in first picking. So for me, it comes down to Ominous Sphinx versus Hour of Promise, and I think draft in and draft out ominous sphinx is just going to do more rock solid work for you as a five five mana air elemental with upside so i think i would be on ominous sphinx here interesting so i agree with all of your thought process i think the thing you pointed out about ambuscade for aggro is interesting because i didn't really consider because this is a pretty stacked pack that you could take ambuscade and theoretically wheel that appeal to authority if you were like trying to carve out the green white aggro deck for your seat but i I, so I think in a vacuum, Hour of Promise is slightly more powerful than Ominous Sphinx, but maybe that's wrong, or at least that was my reasoning at the time, but I just haven't seen a green deck in weeks, and I took Ominous Sphinx over it because I didn't want to take Hour of Promise and then have to ditch my first pick after a few picks of seeing green dry up. That was my thought process. Yeah, I, I agree, and I think I didn't articulate that, but that was in my thought process as well. Like, I think... I agree that our promise, you know, three weeks ago certainly would have been the first pick for me. But where for we're sure. at in the where we're at in the format now, that deck comes together so rarely, and Ominous Sphinx is just always going to be great. That that was why I settled on the Ominous Sphinx for the first pick. Yeah, great. So we're both on Ominous Sphinx. Your second pick is you've got options of Oketra's Avenger. That's the two one and a white for the three one that can exert to prevent all combat damage dealt to it. Uh, Spellweaver Eternal one and a blue for the two one with prowess and afflict two firebrand archer one and a red for the two one that when you cast a non-creature spell it deals a damage to your opponent riddle form one and a blue for the enchantment that when you cast a non-creature spell you can make it a three three flyer until end of turn and it has two and a blue to scry one as an activation ramming ruins is the uncommon desert the red one that can pay two and two red tap sacrifice a desert to deal two damage to your opponent and hope tender is the one in a green exerter that can untap a land by itself or exert to untap two lands for one mana yeah uh this pick is not as tricky for me especially after having the ominous sphinx selected first pick i think the best card out of those cards you listed is riddle form mm-hmm. and it matches with our first pick of ominous sphinx so i think i would pretty immediately rule out Spellweaver eternal because i think riddle form is just better interesting to note that there's a ramianap ruins and a firebrand archer and a spellweaver eternal in the pack all of which go in blue red spells um, so maybe potentially wheeling something from this pack if you select riddle form and i think oketra's avenger and hope tender are just 
enough worse than riddle form that they're not even really in consideration here so i would be on riddle form for pick two to go along with our ominous sphinx no need for me to say anything that's my exact thought process and i took riddle form uh moving on to pick three you see torment of venom again that's the black removal spell that we talked about desert of the glorified that's the black cycling desert countervailing winds that's two and a blue to counter target spell unless it's controller pays x where x is the number of cards in your graveyard and it also has two cycling on it and vizier of the true that's the three and a white uncommon exerter for the three two that says whenever you exert a creature you tap target creature your opponent controls yeah uh for this pick pretty disappointing not seeing a good blue card and i think countervailing winds is enough weaker than these other cards that we can rule that out immediately here and we're probably branching into another color Mm -hmm. so for me it comes down to vizier the true versus torment of venom i think i'm picking torment of venom higher than i am the black desert although black desert's very good as well can we can we take a a pause here where would you rank black desert in your black commons uh vacuum i think behind torment and lethal sting like third maybe i'm trying to remember what all the black commons are the other ones are like wretched camel and kenra eternal it's definitely ahead of those yeah Yeah. definitely ahead of those for me i think i think depend i think definitely torment ahead of it but i think depending on what your deck looks like and where it is in the draft i might take desert over lethal sting sometimes i I think for sure if i've already got like a couple wretched camels say like i wield a couple wretched camels in pack one pack two i'm definitely picking desert of the glorified over lethal sting for sure I, i agree torment over the desert would be my pick as well so for me i think this is tough uh because we've already got riddle form and torment wants to go better with riddle form i think but i think vizier of the true is enough of a better card than torment that i think i would be on vizier of the true here interesting i took torment here because i think torment is better with riddle form and ominous sphinx than vizier of the true is i think that's true yeah uh and could certainly be a nod towards taking torment of venom here yeah i like vizier of the true probably better card in a vacuum but i don't but i think it's really good in white red or white green and not going to be good in a deck that has sphinx and riddle form or certainly be less good like even in good versions of blue white vizier of the true doesn't really fit right and i i think part of this goes back to i just haven't had much success with blue black so i'm a little hesitant i've my my blue white drafts have gone way better for me than my blue black drafts have so Hmm. with the turning point here and and i think probably the fact that torment of venom does go with riddle form might put it over the top and just make it the correct pick here but i think i'm enough i would essentially be giving up on riddle form probably if i'm playing a deck with ominous sphinx and vizier the true right whereas whereas with torment of venom you're leaving the option open to have riddle form be great in your blue black like aggro-ish spells deck yeah for sure all right so i grabbed torment here and then we move on to pick four where we see another torment of venom Desert of the Fervent, that's the Red Cycling Desert. Countervailing Winds, that's the Cycling uh, Counterspell. And Supreme Will, which is two and a blue, uncommon instant for the split card, where you can either mana leak something or you can impulse. So with me having Ominous Sphinx, Riddle Form, and Vizier, the true, and just having passed Torment of Venom, I would be mm-hmm. in exclamation point why me mode seeing this other <laughs> seeing this other Torment of Venom here. Yeah. Um, but I think after having passed the last one... I don't know. That's re- this is a really tough pick. I think I would probably be on, but there's no white cards here either. Yeah, well, there there might Ugh. be, but no white cards of note. So I think Torment of Venom's enough. I I think 
the general population is higher on Supreme Will than I am. So I think I would be on Torment over Supreme Will here and just bite the bullet and say maybe I missed it on the last pick. I think I would yeah. be on Torment. And you're certainly going to be on Torment here. Right. So I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about grabbing that last Torment. So now I've got Ominous Sphinx, Riddle Form, and two Torments of Venom going into pick five. Pick five, I think, is pretty interesting. So you see an Unsummon. That's one in the blue for the instant to bounce a creature another black cycling desert a white cycling desert and a sun scourge champion that's the two and white uncommon two three when it comes into play you gain life equal to its power and it has eternalized for two white white discard a card yeah i would be thrilled with my my draft here having picked third vizier of the true to see sun scourge champion i think mm-hmm. sun scourge champion's great and it continues to go up and up and up for me and i would be snapping up sun scourge champion here and looking to move into blue white and just say giving up on my torment last pick mm-hmm. i would guess that you took desert of the glorified the black desert here yeah i would guess that you took desert of the glorified but maybe not i could see taking a flyer on sunscourge champion i do think it's good enough to do that yeah i really thought about it i, I was thinking so spoiler alert this is the draft from a probably by the time this podcast is up it will be up on youtube this is my third youtube draft so you'll be able to to see my thought process through this and i did think about like oh i saw that vizier third and now i'm seeing sunscourge fifth maybe this is a white signal and i don't want to get married like maybe we're black white is the correct pair for this seat and i can give up on my first and second pick and be black white because i think sunscourge champion is great in that deck also yeah that's certainly an option but i did sort of stick with the torment torment plan and i grabbed the black desert just because like if we are blue black cycling stuff is so good and deserts are just good on their own so i did grab the desert of the glorified here i think that's certainly fine i don't think you could say either picks right or wrong i think if i had two torments i still think i might take sunscourge champion because i just value that card so highly these days yeah it was it was tough i think i went pretty close to time on this pick because i was really not sure if i was supposed to grab the champion or not all right, uh, we'll quickly wrap this up. Pick six, you see a Survivor's Encampment. That's the colorless desert that taps for a colorless, and you can tap a creature and it to tap for any color of mana. Uh, Aven of Enduring Hope, that's four and a white for the 3-3 three, three flyer that when it comes into play, you gain three life. And Apocalypse Demon, I'm not sure I could even say the text of this card from memory. Can you? Uh, four black black, star star for a flying, and you have to tap it at the beginning of your upkeep unless you sacrifice another creature and uh-huh. its power and toughness are equal to the number of cards in your graveyard i think very good that's good that sounds right to me yeah yeah so you see the, these are the three cards of note and i think it's saying a lot that i had to put apocalypse demon as a card of note in this pack but just because it was like the only black card that i you could consider taking but what do you think about this yeah with uh after just having picked sunscourge champion i'd be thrilled to see even of enduring hope here and i would be slamming that i would imagine you took apocalypse demon <laughs> or maybe survivors encampment i don't know no i, I did actually but i bit the bullet here and i grabbed the Aven. oh okay i was like maybe white maybe this, i was you know saw the late vizier just past sunscourge champion like i'm not gonna be stubborn and if white's going around this late then maybe there's only a couple white drafters at the table and i can get some cards like this so i, I grabbed the Aven. i didn't feel like i was missing out on too much by taking it here and then in pick seven you see a Traveler's Amulet, that's the colorless artifact, the one-man artifact, rather, that can pay one and sacrifice it to find a basic land and put it into your hand. Ruin Rat is one in a black for the 1-1. One, one. Death Touch, when it dies, you exile a card from your opponent's graveyard, or from any graveyard, I guess. And uh, Abandoned Sarcophagus, that's three colorless artifact for uh, a card that says you may cast 
cards with cycling from your graveyard, and if any card would be with cycling would be put into your graveyard, having not been cycled, you exile it instead. Well, I know you took abandoned sarcophagus here, knowing you. You know I did. <laughs> so I, I, I wanted to bring up this draft because when we talked about blue black a couple episodes ago, you were like, I haven't really had experience with this deck, and like, how do you sort of like navigate into it? And I thought this was a good example of like just grabbing some blue and black cards. And now I think a lot of people would see Sarcophagus 7th here and go, I don't have anything with cycling. I mean, I have a desert, and I have a Sphinx that cares about cycling, but I have no cards I can cast off of Sarcophagus. And I want to say that that just doesn't matter. You'll get there, and that this is a huge payoff for this deck, and you want to grab it here. Yeah, plenty of time to pick those things up. So I think it's interesting, we talked about me not ending up being blue-black, and I kind of right. navigated away from it here, so maybe that's why I keep <laughs> not ending up there. <laughs> it seems like it, maybe. So I think there were options for the seat to be blue-black, blue-white, or maybe even white-black. Do you remember, were there any white cards in pick seven? Uh, or were you just off of the white train at that point after seeing Abandoned Sarcophagus? I'll have to go back and see, but I think if, if there were white cards of note, like an Oketra's Avenger or something, I, or a Solitary Camel even, I think I would have listed them here. Yeah, I'll have to go watch the VOD because I'm curious to see after diverging from you a little bit how it would have turned out for me. Yeah, for sure. And quick quick pause on the YouTube videos. I just want to want to plug for you here for a second i have i have no stake in these youtube videos at all <laughs> and i like being successful and i i watched the first one on wednesday during downtime so i still lunched with you and nice. it, it's really good like as somebody that has consumed draft videos like non-stop from channel fireball for the last like i don't know five to eight plus years of my life at least probably closer to eight or nine uh, your videos were excellent and on par, if not better than most of the videos I see on channel fireball. So you should absolutely go check them out people. Thanks, man. I really appreciate that. I'm excited to do more of them. It's, it's really interesting. It's a much different vibe than streaming. Like you've got, it's a lot more serious, a lot more like talking about my thought process. It's tough, tough to do to keep it like lively and vocal for the whole time. Well, yeah. And I think you're really good at it. And I think you've got, you're very, you're very articulate and you have a very, sequentially logical thought process like that's even apparent like in the show notes like when you lay out the show notes versus when i lay out the show notes <laughs> <laughs> they're like when when ethan does it it's always like bulleted and like very clean and organized and mine are just like paragraph blobs <laughs> of like train of thought text so yeah I, I think they're they're great and they're very easy to follow along and i think people would learn a lot from watching them you should check them out thanks man all right, enough of this hour of devastation nonsense. Let's talk about cube, baby. Yes, cube. Uh, let's start with the most basic. What is cube? Okay, so cube is a collection of cards across all sets of magic, depending on what sort of the restrictions are. But generally, they can be cards from any set of magic put into a limited set of cards, 360, 540, 720, some amount to be drafted. So it's a curated limited set. Yeah. And I, I actually learned what cube was through magic online. That mm -hmm. was what, that was my first exposure to it. So why, why should people cube? Why is it good? Convince our audience. So cube, if you'd like to draft, which I can't imagine you don't, if you're listening to this podcast. So if you like to draft cubing is the most fun way to draft. You can build, so in cube, you are basically, it's as close to constructed as limited gets because the power level of the cards are so high because you're taking theoretically the best cards from all of magic. You're going to be having super high power levels and super high consistency in your decks. So 
you're going to be able to do so many more fun things that you wouldn't normally get to do in, say, drafting what is considered to be a great limited format, Hour of Devastation, but you can just do so many different things and there's so much replayability to these sets. Yeah, it's like having a limited set that's like repeatable over and over and over. Like I've been cubing for, I don't know, probably about the same amount of time I've been playing Magic Online since the Magic Online, or since the cubes first came on Magic Online, which would have been like, what, 2012-ish? Something like that? I think it's a 2012. So I don't know if you want to take a quick deviation. Do you remember like on Channel Fireball, they used to post cube draft videos before they were on magic online i do i remember watching lsv talk right. that was actually probably i very specifically remember lsv doing one like drafting was, mono, was mono red. red yeah just yes. talking about like you should always do mono red that was yeah i do remember that so they would draft on like an alternate like uh i don't know what i can't think of one of those draft sites off the top of my head but he and some people would do a draft on a different site and then they would go on magic online build the decks that they drafted and play against each other so they'd like DIY their own Magic Online cube. But that was even before they were on. But that's like my first exposure. I remember being like, what is this? Like, what are all these cards? How do they all match up together? But it's really interesting. Yeah, it's so sweet, right? Because we, I think you and I both enjoy building around uncommon rare type cards that let you do sweet things in, right. in limited as, formats. As and evidenced cube. by Bandit Sarcophagus in our roundtable draft. <laughs> yeah. And, and Cube is just full of that kind of stuff. Like, there's never a situation where you cannot do that in Cube if you don't want to. Because all the cards are so good, and the people that design the Cube make sure that there are millions of those synergies. Yeah. So, how do you get into drafting Cube? Because it is a pretty high... Like, Magic is already a high barrier to entry game, and then I feel like Limited is another step up, and then Cube is a step up from that. So, how do you get into it? Yeah, for me, I just thought... Uh, I watched videos on Channel Fireball. That was my first exposure to it and i watched people like caleb d lsv others do it on channel fireball and i thought that looks super sweet the games look super fun i play a lot of limited i thought i can do that and so when it was on magic online i just jumped in and kind of figured it out myself through trial and error um how about you yeah very very similar i uh i remember my first cube draft on magic online and I remember drafting it. I drafted a terrible deck because I was picking, like, just good cards. And that's, as we'll get into later, really not what you can do because all the cards are good. So you really have to be drafting, like, a specific archetype or a specific kind of deck. And then I got beat by a blue-green, like, tempo deck. And then I was like, okay, I'll go draft that. <laughs> so, like, then I would just, like, light tickets on fire and join another queue and then try and draft the deck that beat me so that I, like sort of learned that way and i was also watching streamers and watching videos on channel fireball and other sites like that but yeah so it's very similar playing and and watching people and then the the you figure it out pretty quickly if you have drafted before you will sort of figure out what the good decks in that specific cube are and, and how to get into them and what pick orders are and all that stuff yeah, and if you're not interested in lighting lots of tickets on fire like Ethan <laughs> and I did back in the day, uh, yeah. you should watch us and other streamers on Twitch, and you should go find videos on Channel Fireball. I think the best way to learn Cube is watching other people do it, and you see what cards they pick highly and what the decks are, and that's a, that's a really inexpensive way to do it. As much as I would love people to come watch our streams, I do think uh, videos are slightly better than streams because people are going to explain their thought processes more fully. I will think i will if you are literally starting from scratch read duke's cube draft videos on channel fireball i think are some of the best around he he's really really articulate about why he's picking stuff and he goes through all the picks in the pack he like 
doesn't there's hardly ever any downtime in his videos where he isn't talking about what he's thinking so can we are we able to look forward to some lord tupperware cube video drafts on youtube absolutely i think i'm going to be slanting stream more towards hour of devastation till the end of the format but certainly throwing out some cube drafts on youtube yeah for sure all right so we just sort of touched on this right you want to be because the power level is so high and because the set is curated so heavily you want to be drafting a deck that has a plan instead of just drafting good cards so what are some sort of general guideposts that our listeners can look forward to for looking at cube lists yeah um i think when you're i i generally don't at this point having cubed as much as i do i generally don't look at the list of a cube before before jumping in i just kind of jump in and navigate my way through the draft but you want to generally check out Planeswalkers, how many there are, how good are they? Mm-hmm. Do they seem to be some of the better cards in in the cube? Like, for example, in the modern cube, I think Planeswalkers are some of the better cards in the cube. Absolutely. Whereas compared to in a more powered cube, and what we mean by powered cube would be like has has the Moxes, has Black Lotus, has all those iconic magic cards from back in the day that get played in vintage all the time and it's actually known as the vintage cube on magic online now yeah planeswalkers there for example are not as good but some of them are still good some of the best planeswalkers are still good there yeah um another thing you want to look at and i think this is a a big sort of like i don't know level up for figuring out cube is lands so there's a lot of lands in most cubes and as ben and i are talking about cubes we're mostly basing them off of the cubes that are on magic online which i think at this point are now three that are sort of in rotation there's a modern a legacy and a vintage cube there was a sweet twisted color pie cube that hopefully they'll bring back but we don't need to go into here but each of those cubes has a number of slots dedicated to lands so you want to be aware of what the land cycles in the cube are how much mana fixing is present in the cube how highly do you want to prioritize those lands that's going to be correlated to how many of them there are and are there payoffs for playing three four or five color decks so having like do you is your fixing just going to want to be in the two colors that you are or are there is the fixing so good that you can really just draft as many good cards as you want and be able to cast them off of your insanely good mana base yeah for sure and another thing i I touched on earlier power level how powered is the cube so generally powered cube means what i said moxes lotus ancestral recall time walk etc and then there's also a lot of other cards that are considered just totally busted or broken um, that are really easy to build around, such as Opposition, uh, the enchantment that lets you tap creatures. You tap a creature you control to tap anything, artifact, creature, or land on the opposing side of the battlefield. So if you get mm-hmm. a bunch of creatures on your board, you can just totally lock your opponent out. Uh, balance, I know, uh, a favorite of yours and mine, the yeah, one, in a, sure. one in a white that balances numbers of creatures, lands, and cards in hand. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can kind of abuse that by having a lot of artifacts and fast mana in your deck and upheaval, the four blue blue sorcery that returns all permanence to their owner's hand so that one you're trying to like build up tons of mana and then cast your upheaval and float mana and then like redevelop your board way faster than your opponent can because their deck's not planning on an upheaval being cast right um another thing to look out for are two card combos that just kind of win the game on the spot sneak and show plus fatties uh the kiki jiki splinter twin type combos with deceiver exarch pestermite crucible strip mine recurring strip mine over and over to blow up all your opponent's lands a fast bond plus draw sevens to dump <laughs> mana and like do all kinds of insane things um yeah so there are, there are some super things that you can do in in powered cube that are not going to be available in in the modern cube that we're going to talk about in just a second 
Yeah, so on, you were talking about you don't generally check the lists. So I don't like usually go and look at the lists because I will have played that cube before. But usually before they release the cube, they will make some number of card changes. And usually on the Tuesday, the day before they launch the cube, usually on a Wednesday. So on Tuesday, they'll post a Magic Online update thing uh, on their website and you can check the changes to the card list. So I do always check that to see like what new cards are coming in, what cards are coming out. Like for a while, Balance Gargadon which is a two card combo was in i think the legacy cube and then they took it out they've like sort of just reserved that combo for the powered cube so just you want to be aware of things that like that that are like bases of archetypes that then might change or might be reintroduced to a cube those are going to be important things to think about before you sit down to draft so for experienced cubers what makes the modern cube different from say a vintage cube or even the legacy cube uh, yeah, generally this cube would be considered a lot more fair. Fair versus unfair is a like kind of a slang term that cubers use to reference whether or not uh, the cube is powered. So there's not going to be a lot of insanely sweet stuff you can do in this cube, but there is still some pretty cool things. But less less winning the game on the spot with two card combos. Aggro tends to be a lot better in my experience in the modern cube. I think mono red and white weenie and all those things, there's a lot less powerful reactive cards or like those two card combos that just win the game on the spot. So if you can get an aggressive start and get ahead of your opponent, uh, that's that tends to do really well in modern cube. Yeah, so the modern cube is, we should, probably should have said this earlier, is only cards that are legal in the modern format are eligible to be put in this cube. So it's going to be a lot more fair and balanced because a lot of the broken cards that have been made in Magic were made before the modern era or are banned. So even if a card is, it has been made past that and is banned in modern, then it's also not eligible for the cube. So I think that sort of goes along with, well, you're not going to have a lot of busted, broken cards that have been designed since then. And if they are, they're probably banned. So you're going to be leaning on a lot of aggressive early lower power or lower to the ground creatures and spells yeah i've found that your curve is super important in the modern cube because there's not a ton of mana rocks so if your if your curve doesn't look good i think your deck's probably generally not very good in the modern cube there are exceptions to that obviously as there are to anything but i think right. that's a pretty good rule of thumb for the modern cube you are probably going to face a red deck especially in leagues you're probably going to face a red deck in one of your three rounds so like if you're not out aggroing them like how are you keeping pace with them so they're very very present in either they're going to be in your deck or you've got to be thinking about facing them when you're building your deck yeah uh another unique thing to the modern cube i think monocolored decks are viable in all color pairs i think mm -hmm. blue might blue might be the weakest but the rest of them are all certainly capable of having a very good monocolored deck and i think that's pretty different from the vintage cube i think it would be rare in a, in a powerful cube i think you're giving up a lot by not uh, picking lands highly and playing multiple colors but i think in modern cube it's very viable to play monocolored decks and on that same note as you get better and you get more familiar with the cube it's easier to tell i think for me now that in a modern cube or a less powered cube if i'm getting cut out of a color and in the beginning if you're just starting out in cube you shouldn't worry about that at all like the, the cards are good enough that if you just want to decide like you can certainly force in cube you just sit down you decide i want to draft whatever green i love playing green you can just sit down and draft green cards, and if you try to draft cards that have a plan, you'll probably end up with a pretty good deck. Mm -hmm. Any other things you've noticed about the the modern cube? Um, I did want to touch on that point about reading, sort of reading signals, seeing if you're getting cut. That like 
Signals are just hard to read generally in Limited and nearly impossible in Cube because, not impossible, but very difficult in Cube because the packs are not uh, curated or seeded like they are in a regular collated, pack. Like, right? Isn't that the word? Collated. There we go. Thank you. Because you're just sort of grabbing 15 random cards from the cube. So you're not going to have that split of like some commons and some uncommons and a rare. And we'll make sure that there's at least a card of each color in, in the pack. Like that doesn't really shake out. So if you don't see any blue cards for a couple packs, that doesn't necessarily mean that the people to your right are in blue. It just may mean that there weren't really any good blue cards in those packs. So... That's just sort of a thing to keep in mind that you don't want to... I think I see when I stream online or watch other streams, people in chat, I think, are often a little too easy to go, oh, you're getting cut out of this color. It's like, well, you can't really tell that um, very easily in cube. So I think because, to your point of aggro being pretty good in the modern cube, uh, surprise, surprise, lifelink is going to be pretty important. So... Uh, uh, there's not going to be any sort of like random life goes on in the cube, those kinds of just cards that gain life, but incidental life gain is attached to a lot of cards, specifically in uh, in white and uh, black. So you're going to want to be on the lookout for those if you're in those colors. There are, the power level is pretty generally even, so there's not a lot of spikes in like really super like unpassable cards, but there are the cycle of the titans, so sun titan, grave titan, inferno titan, frost, and primeval titan um if you know those cards those are all like six mana six sixes in their color that have an enter the battlefield effect and that effect triggers when they attack as well those cards uh consecrated sphinx that's the four blue blue for the four six flyer that uh, says whenever your opponent draws a card you can draw two cards there are some cards like that that are just like very overpowered and big signals, big pulls into colors. Um, so those cards do exist in this cube. There's just, I think, less of them than in perhaps a vintage or legacy cube. Right. And I think I think another mistake that beginning cubers make maybe is getting, there are tons of insanely good cards, right? Like right. Lots, lots of mid-range to like five drop, six drop creatures that are absolutely just in any limited format, a slam dunk. But they're not they're not necessarily in vintage cubes. So these these Titans and Consecrated Sphinx are the ones that are like windmill slam dunks. Um, and some of the other ones you can probably let go because there's so many powerful cards that you really have to be picky about what your top end cards are in cube. Yeah, I do think that generally like a, another like a level up in cube is figuring out that lands are an important thing to pick and they're an important part of the cube puzzle. But also that like because you are getting all the bet this cube is the best of the best cards of magic for whatever sort of this stipulations of that cube are for this it's modern cards but you're gonna have access to finishers generally now they might like as you said the titans are gonna be sort of the the top of that list but you're gonna if you want a six drop you're gonna be able to find a six drop and often it's more important to prioritize early picks as you talked about curve being very important so i think it's sort of you can sort of be like oh man I, I got a titan and then oh man next pick i got this amazing five drop and now i have this planeswalker and your four drop and your five drop and your six drop slot are looking pretty clogged and you have nothing to do for the first few turns you're going to get run over pretty quickly in this cube yeah and then another one last tidbit i found for the modern cube is that any creature with haste uh, performs a little better than it looks uh, because the plane the games tend to revolve around planeswalkers and you're being able to cast your creature if they don't have any blockers and kill their planeswalker when they weren't expecting it is pretty busted and along that same lines i think burn that can deal damage to a player tends to perform a little bit better than it looks because it mm -hmm. can also kill a planeswalker and i think the planeswalkers are some of the better cards in the modern cube yeah that's really 
good points, yeah. All right, so why don't we get into some specifics about this list? So we should say that, again, the list will come out on Tuesday before, or the updates will come out Tuesday before the cube goes live on Magic Online. Um, so we're basing our sort of specifics about the colors on what this list looked like when it was out in March. So we'll talk about lands. There are a lot of lands in the modern cube. So the modern cube, I believe, is 540 cards at the moment, or was in March. And of those, we've got a lot of lands to choose from. There is the cycle of 10 fetch lands, the 10 shock lands, the 10 pain lands. Those are the ones that can tap for colorless, and then you can uh, lose a life to tap for either red or green, whatever the two-color pair on the card is. Um, there's the Tango Lands. I don't remember what they actually ended up being called, but the ones that uh, require... They come into play tapped unless you control two basic lands. Is that right? I don't know. I had no idea what Tango Lands was. I was going to ask you that. <laughs> they're the, um, the ones from Battle for Zendikar that can be fetched. They are the, like, Plains Island land type. Anyway, um, so there's those lands. There's the, the full set of Creature Lands all the lands that they come into play tap, they can tap for one of two colors and then also have some activated ability to turn them into creatures. Um, there's the the cycle of buddy lands, the ones that come into play tapped unless you control, like if it's white or black, unless you control a plains or a swamp already. And then there's the temples from, oh gosh, Theros block that are all come into play tapped, but scry one when they come into play. So the scry lands are there. So that's, I think, right there. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six. That's 60 lands. And then there's also some non, full cycles uh, of those lands of of various lands as well in the cube so a lot of lands to choose from right and of, of those the fetches are the best and then yes. lands that the fetches can go get are very close along with the fetches yeah i totally agree and i i, I mean I th i've been pretty and then of those non-lands i think scry lands might be the best um that that scry one attached to a dual land is pretty good in cube right but i found those other lands are not high picks generally you're picking those other lands up on the wheel Right, so I think the point about lands here is you can take fetches, I think, are fetches and shocks, and I guess the tango lands can be found are all like going to be good high picks. But you're, as I recall from Modern Cube before, you get lands late. If you want fixing, you can get it, and you don't need to prioritize it very highly. Yep, I would agree. Uh, as far as artifacts in the cube, mm -hmm. there are some mana rocks, not many. Um, there's like Mind Stone, Coalition Relic, maybe a couple others. Uh, and there yeah. are some swords, but there's not the best swords. So Sword and Body and Mind's not in the cube. But I think I saw the red-white sword, the white-black sword, and the black-green sword. So there are some swords, and the swords, I think, in Modern Cube are very good. Like very yeah. high picks, and you actively want to prioritize them and play them in your deck. Because the Modern Cube tends to revolve a lot around creature combat, in my experience. Yeah. Um, and just having having the biggest, baddest threat on the battlefield. Yeah, those cubes are, or sorry, those swords are really tough to deal with. I mean, as as cube gets more powered, you have a lot more access to artifact destruction, right? Because like there's Moxin and Signets in uh, Vintage Cube, so there's a lot of ways to blow those up. But in Modern Cube, I think those swords are going to be sticking around on the battlefield when they make it on there. Why don't we take a look at some colors in specific, like uh, black? What, what can people expect from like black as a identity of that color in this cube? Yeah, in the modern cube, I think black really wants to be aggressive, and there's also a lot of devotion-based uh, strategies, so like you're heavily rewarded for being mono black, mm -hmm. which a lot of people, like there's a saying in cube that mono black is a trap. Um, I, I don't think that's really true for the modern cube. I think mono black's generally actively good in the modern cube if you can get it to come together, and there's also a smattering of 
control type cards as well that could go mm-hmm. in blue black control or like esper type control strategies so yeah there's a lot of cards that reward you for heavy black such as phyrexian obliterator that's black 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 for the five five trampler that uh crushes your opponent's soul and if they do <laughs> <laughs> if they do damage to it uh they have to sacrifice permanence equal to how much damage to it they did gray merchant of asphodel the three black black for the two four that drains your opponent equal to your devotion to black Giraffe's messenger the triple black so there's there's like these cards that have lots of black in their casting cost and then there's also like actual devotion payoffs from the theros block mm-hmm. in in the cube um, and i think those decks tend to play pretty well black's got some sweepers we mentioned control uh damnation is the wrath of god effect black sun zenith uh is double black x to put put minus one minus one counters on your opponent's team uh Yehenny's expertise is minus three minus three i think to their team yeah and there's a lot of cards that let you trade life for resources such as phyrexian arena one black black for an enchantment that lets you draw an extra card on your turn and you lose a life when you do so uh, bitter blossom similar ef- effect one in a black, but it's for creatures. On your upkeep, you lose a life, and you make a 1-1 one, one black fairy rogue token with flying. And then there are some reanimation effects, and that's kind of generally an identity of black in cube, but not so much in this cube. Uh, the only reanimation effects are these clunkies-type spells, Ever After, Unburial Rites, uh, Whip of Erebos. So you're not going to be reanimating some giant fatty on turn two like you might be in some other cubes. Yeah, and then it's so when you're doing it on turn five or six, it's a little less exciting. Um, and there are some enablers for the reanimation deck in terms of like green has a couple cards that put cards in your graveyard, blue has some like draw discard type effects, but it's a tough deck to come together if it ever does. So I think because of because reanimation is generally the most powerful thing black can do and it's not doing it in this cube black is a little on the weaker side and i think your payoffs for being black are either pairing it as a control backup for removal and sweepers or going pretty heavily black if not mono black and getting the payoffs from uh, the powerful effects like being able to cast obliterator on turn four garrel's messenger on turn three etc yeah and then i just pulled out a few a list of cards uh, kind of for each color that sort of stood out to me as cards that helped me get into that color because mm-hmm. um, we, we talked about earlier the, the power level for the modern cube is generally pretty flat um, so these are some of the cards that are like standouts for black to me that are a little head and head and shoulders above the rest of the cards ashiok nightmare weaver is the blue black planeswalker bitter blossom we just talked about dragon lord silumgar as uh, a control magic effect on a stick grave titan that cycle of titans obviously i think are pulls into any of their colors and then a couple planeswalkers liliana the veil liliana the last hope and whip of erebos i think goes very well in the mono black type devotion strategy and gives all your creatures lifelink which we've already talked about is, is pretty important in in the modern cube yeah some decks just fold to whip of erebos in this cube <laughs> yep how about uh blue what have, what have you noticed about blue in the modern cube so blue is generally considered to be the best color in cube just because it has access to a lot of powerful effects Um, i'm not sure if that really might hold true here but it's pretty close it's very counterspell and tempo based um it has a lot of bounce spells more than you see in other cubes so like there's oh gosh what's that card cyclonic rift that's what i'm thinking of um (laughs) that's the one in a blue to return target non-land permanent you don't own and then it has it's basically sort of a poor man's um Oh gosh, I'm just having a poor stroke man's here, upheaval. Yeah. yeah, poor man's upheaval. Thanks, Ben. Ben's just gonna take over for the rest of the episode. I can't figure out what I want to say. Um, <laughs> yeah, so poor man's uh, upheaval for uh, overload of six and a blue to bounce all non-land permanents you 
don't control. There's also like Aether Adept, Mist Raven, and Riftwing Cloudskate, all sort of mana war like creatures that come into play and bounce something else. So there's a lot more of that that you than you see in other cubes. So that leads me to think that Blue is trying to not sort of sit back and be a draw go deck, but also sort of win by sticking creatures, bouncing them back, then maybe countering them later, gaining tempo and maybe mana advantage that way. It's a very counterspell-heavy cube. Basically, everything short of actual counterspell is in there. You've got Cryptic Command, you've got Miscalculation, you've got the Dissipates, Dissolves. Those are the three-mana hard counters. Um, so when your blue opponent passes with mana up, be wary about casting things into counter spells or uh, they're probably also going to be able to do other things with that mana there's like Vendillion click that's the one blue blue three one flash flyer that when it comes into play you can look at your opponent's hand and make them discard or put a card from their hand on the bottom of their library and then they replace it with a draw so that's a pretty good thing to be able to do but a lot of draw go from this deck or a lot of tempo from this deck. It also has a lot of powerful, what I might consider unpassables, just because, as we talked about, the power level for this cube is pretty flat. Cards like Bribery, this is the three blue-blue sorcery that lets you look at your opponent's deck and put a creature from that deck into play under your control. Consecrated Sphinx we talked about before, Frost Titan, a lot of the, the blue planeswalkers like Tamio, pretty good. Jace Vryn's Prodigy is a, like, I'm really good, like, looter early and then flips into a, a Planeswalker. These are all cards that I think pull blue ahead in terms of its, like, raw power level from the rest of the colors. Anything else you want to touch on about blue? No, I think I think it's I think you said it all. I think there's important to note that there's two different blue decks. I think blue can go aggro with all those tempo creatures, Ether Adept, Mistwing Raven, that type of stuff. I remember last time I played this, there was like a really good blue white tempo aggro deck. Yeah, and then and then it's also got the the tools there to play control, just with like the classic blue powerful cube cards. Yeah, generally blue is gonna want mana rocks like either be paired with green for ramp which we'll talk about in a second or it's going to want the few colorless ramp spells that exist because blue's going to have a lot of things to do with its mana it's going to have a lot of card draw going to have a lot of card filtering a lot of powerful top end cards so if you're blue i would be considering taking those cards pretty highly yeah and just a quick note you mentioned card draw i think in general card in any cube card draw is better than it would be in a normal limited set because the cards you're drawing in cube are busted So if you have more busted cards than your opponent, that's a good way to win the game. Yeah. All right. Why don't we talk about green? What's going on with green in this cube? Yeah, I think green in this cube and in most cubes is all about uh, creature ramp. Uh, Maybe has a slightly more of an aggro bend than normal towards aggression uh, for maybe like a green-red color pair type deal in this cube. Yeah, currently all the green-red cards that are all the green-red gold cards are all aggro cards. There's like Flinthoof Boar and Huntmaster of the Fells and Voltaic Brawler from Aether Revolt. So like a lot of payoffs for green being paired with red as an aggressive color. Yeah, for sure. So green generally has all the ramp you could ever desire. A lot of one-drop uh, mana dorks, as we would call, like Llanowar Elves would be the poster child for those. Mm-hmm. A single green for the one one that taps to add a green mana to your mana pool. Um, so there's those like birds of paradise noble hierarch yeah noble hierarch even no not even what's the one that taps for white 
Uh, oh, Avison's Pilgrim. Avison. I knew it started with an See, a, I yeah. can know cards, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we need each other. We need, yeah, we need we... to keep each other on track. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, so, yeah. And then you're ramping into these big finishers, such as Avenger of Zendikar, the five green green for the five five. And it when it enters the battlefield, it makes 01 plant tokens equal to the number of lands you control. And then it's got landfall for when you play a land, you put a plus one plus one counter on all of those plant tokens primeval titan we keep talking about the cycle of titans but they really are pulls into all these colors uh, that's yeah. the four green green six six trampler that when it enters the battlefield you go get you get it search up two lands and which is especially good in cube because a lot of your lands have abilities and then right. when it attacks you can also get more trastodon the six green green for the nine nine uh, that blows up three non-land permanents on any side of the battlefield and then those non-land permanent controllers uh, get to put three three beast tokens into play and tooth and nail the seven green green like lets you search up two creatures and put them onto the battlefield if you entwine it or you can cast like half of the card just to search up two creatures or to put two creatures from your hand into play yeah and then green's got a lot of mid-range options as well to ramp into which i think is actually very good yeah in the modern cube like playing one drop greens i think green might be the best color in the modern cube because it's got mana dorks which is the really the only way to consistently cheat on mana in the modern cube so mm -hmm. like going turn one mana dork into turn two three drop turn three four drop turn four five drop and just being ahead of the curve of your opponent the whole way is a great way to win the game so some of those mid-range options are master of the wild hunt binge vine whisperwood elemental just very powerful uh game breaking four or five drop cards and then some of the cards that that pull me into green just any any mana dork that's the number one way i get into green uh, and i think an inexperienced cuber might be fooled by that like they might be picking some of those powerful mid-range cards higher than the mana dorks i think the mana dorks are the highest picks in green and yeah. then some of the premier finishers but generally i want to lock up my mana dorks before i'm worried about the finishers because i think that the deck is open if you're getting the mana dorks so the only way somebody would be interested in those avengers of zendikars or terastodons is if they're going to have the mana to cast them and the only way you can do that is by having all the, the mana ramp the garuk planeswalkers are also very good uh, oracle of moldiah is three and a green for a two two that lets you play with the top card of your library revealed and you can play lands off the top of your deck so great way to ramp and prevent yourself from flooding out which is mm -hmm. sometimes a problem in the green decks yeah and then we've already talked about primeval titan just being absolutely fantastic yeah i mean i think the, the point about like the mana dorks are more important in this deck than the finishers is true because you're gonna get finishers there are expensive powerful things you can find but do you have a way to cheat them out early is i think the key to the green deck so we've been talking about how red is pretty powerful aggro is pretty powerful and sort of the red deck is known in the cube community as the fun police a lot of the time because you might be doing something really cool and then your opponent just goes mountain goblin guide and you sigh and just sort of go well i guess i'm gonna lose this match so mono red or near mono red is uh very aggressive and is really going to be putting a lot of decks in the format in check there is also wildfire in this cube so that's the four red red to deal four damage to all creatures and each player sacrifices four lands and so that leads me if that's in the cube that leads me to believe that there is a kind of red control deck with uh the few artifact mana rocks that exist and that is a fun deck i think at least sort of it's like a poor man's balance wildfire deck 
Yep, that is one of my favorite things to do in Cube, and I know yours as well from our yeah. discussions. Also, our boy Greater Gargadon is in this Cube, which was yes. not in the Vintage Cube, which made me so sad. Yeah, Gargadon is great with... Uh, so, Greater Gargadon... It's, in the, it's a, in the name. Like You just can't argue with it. You can't argue with it. It's, it's great. So, Greater Gargadon is a 9 and a red for a 9-7. It also has Suspend for 1 red. So, Suspend means that you uh, exile it and put uh, some number of time counters on it. For this card, it's 10 time counters. And each of your upkeeps, you remove a time counter from it. And also, you can sacrifice an artifact, creature, or land to remove a time counter from it. And then once all the time counters are off, you put it into play and it has haste. So this combos uh, with wrath effects, with sweepers. It's also like you can respond to people destroying your own stuff and go, okay, well, you're going to kill my creature. I'll just sacrifice it to get my Gargadon coming out a turn sooner. And it's just a really fun card. It's sort of very. It does not look as good as it is. It always overperforms. It always, always overperforms. Like all you need to do is zealous conscript, steal something, sacrifice it to Gargadon, or Soar of Temptation, steal something from your opponent, sacrifice it to Gargadon. Like there's just a lot of fun little weird interactions that the card has while it's suspended, um, and then when it comes into play, it's a hasty nine seven, which is pretty sweet. So that's a, a pet card of ours, I think for sure. I think it's also important to note, as we talked about before, there are two card combos in the set. Kiki Jiki Mirror Breaker is in this cube, so that's two red 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 for a two two with haste. It also has tap to copy target non legendary put a token into play that's a copy of target non-legendary creature you control that creature has haste there are some infinite combos with kiki jiki and i believe three creatures in the set uh or in the cube pestermite restoration angel and zealous conscripts those are the three right yeah do you know what i did not know i did what? not know that splinter twin and deceiver excerpt were not in the cube until i was looking at the list today in prep for the show i didn't know exarch wasn't i knew twin wasn't because splinter twin is banned oh is that why it's not in there that yeah. makes sense so in March, I like kept trying to draft Splinter Twin, <laughs> and I never saw it. And that makes so much more sense why the combo didn't come together as often for me. <laughs> While we're talking about this infinite combo, also uh, from standard of your Sahili Rai and Felidar Guardian are both in this cube as well. So that infinite combo is present, even though it doesn't quite have to do with red. Yeah, and I think a really common deck in this modern cube that's very good is kind of a Jeskai infinite combo thing. Like if you can pick up Felidar Guardian, Sahili yes. Rai, Kiki, and the Splinter Twin type effects, I think that's probably one of the best, if not the best deck in the format if it comes together. Surprise, surprise, this is my favorite deck to draft when Modern Cube was out in March. Well, and the, re the reason that we both like it so much and the reason it's one of the best decks is because it's one of the most unfair things you can do in a fair cube, right? If you yes. assemble these cards, you win doesn't matter what your opponent's doing mm -hmm. um so if you can if you can figure out how to draft this deck and and you actually get the cards it, it really does do more broken things than the other decks yeah so for for the non-broken red decks most of your red decks are going to look like aggro decks you want some balance of burn and creatures that are hasty goblin guide is one of the best cards in the set this is the one red for a 2-2 haste that when it attacks your opponent looks at the top card of their library and if it's a land, they can put it into play, or put it into their hand, rather. Um, there's Goblin Rabble Master, that's the two in a red that makes 1-1 one, one hasters every combat step. Hellrider, Thundermaw Hellkite. Ben, you love this card, Gold Knight Castigator. You know what this does, right? <laughs> I had no idea. I was looking through the show notes that, uh, like, we kind of take turns uh, doing the show notes or, like, you you do them and then I add stuff, or I do yeah. them and then you add stuff. So you had you had done this one ahead of time while you were maybe at work, I think, uh -huh. this week one night. Yeah. And I saw Gold Knight Castigator on here and I was like, 
what i i I, it's very rare for me to not know what a card in cube does and i had no idea i had to go look it up well i think this is the only cube where it like makes the cut because you're looking basically red just wants like hasty aggressive creatures and golden eye castigator is the it's from uh shadows of inner strad it's a two red red for the four nine flying haste and it like doubles all damage dealt to you and dealt to it so it's not great to have in play for multiple turns especially because a lot of the decks in this format are aggressive um but it's a really good finisher for the red deck because it's just a hasty four power in the air out of nowhere um you also want to balance this these hasty creatures with burn that can get creatures out of the way but also can go to the face so lightning bolt char from recent sets collective defiance exquisite firecraft Cards that can deal three or four damage really add up when you're pointing them at your opponent's face. Like, oftentimes when you're playing these mono red decks, you'll be looking at your hand. I mean, you, you've you seen, like, Ramianap Red was just one of Pro, Pro Tour. Like, you understand how, like, red aggro decks work, and a lot of it is, like, looking at your opponent's life total, looking at the cards in your hand and figuring out, okay, well, I, I can point this lightning bolt at their face, and I can get this blocker out of the way, and then I can do two damage this way, and then they'll be dead. Yeah, very, very similar to playing a red aggro deck in standard, I would assume. And I think one of the, if you're hesitant about like trying cube, I think probably one of the easiest good decks to draft. Like if you just sit down and say, I'm going to draft mono red, like I would say eight out of 10 times, it's probably going to be open. Maybe not in the modern cube. Maybe it's only seven out of 10 times in the modern cube or something, but is a good deck and pretty straightforward, easy to play. And you don't necessarily have to know a lot about what the other deck is doing on the other side of the battlefield. Mm-hmm. So just a good way, if you want to try to win and just have some experience with modern cube, a good way to get into it. I know Lee Sharp uh, on Twitter just always forces mono red. Must be nice to sit down in your pod and just know that nobody else is going to draft red because you're <laughs> yeah. you're in the pod. Can't do it. I mean, I, I don't really like drafting mono red deck, but if it's open for my seat, I'm not going to shy away from it, but it's not something I'm looking to do. Yeah, similar. I, w- I would want the good cards to be wheeling, I think, yeah. before I moved in. Like, if I wheel a Goblin Guide, I'll probably move in to Mono Red. Right, so I think it's important to know that things like Goblin Guide or Hell Rider or Thunder Maw Hellkite are all, I think, signals that the deck might be open. So if you see those late, because um, this deck, for this deck to be a pretty busted version of it, it can really only support one, maybe two drafters at the table. So seeing those cards late... Um, it's pretty good but a lot of this deck is based on like i'm gonna take this good like this lightning bolt and then i'm gonna wheel this derpy one mana two one that no one else will want and my deck is gonna be great so a lot of it is based on grabbing a card you'll want and wheeling something so you generally want to be the only red drafter at the table yeah and i do think there it's important to note that there are like good control cards for red too and that the burn like i said earlier does double duty uh as far as like killing planeswalkers uh mm-hmm. if, if you're playing red as a as a control type color Ooh, uh, sorry, one card I want to talk about for the red deck is Shrine of Burning Rage. So this is the, it's two colorless mana for an artifact that whenever you cast a red spell and at the beginning of your upkeep, you put a counter on it and you can pay three colorless and tap it to sacrifice it to deal damage to a creature or player equal to the number of counters on it. This, I think, is one of, as another pull into this deck that doesn't maybe quite look like it is. Yeah, it's, it's very good. It's a huge finisher for the deck. You put this on turn two, and it that those counters add up pretty quickly in a mono-red deck, and your opponent's life total is shrinking, and this thing has six, seven counters on it, and the game's going to be over for them. All right, last color. What, what, what's going on with white in this cube? Yeah, white, I think, 
generally wants to be pretty aggressive. There's a very good like tokens plus anthem effects deck, just kind of a white weenie deck, mm-hmm. and that has token producers. Uh, white has a lot of very good planeswalkers. There's a lot of Elspeths running around. There's Gideons yeah. running around, and I think the Gideons especially are really good in the modern cube because they can turn into creatures and smash face. So I think a lot of games devolve into like somebody sticks a planeswalker and then you either need to kill it or like get your own planeswalker going and if you've each got a planeswalker going gideon pressures other planeswalkers so hard that i think it really is is one of the better planeswalkers in the cube yeah so that that's there white also has a lot of control cards there's lots of catch-all enchantment type removal such as oblivion ring um and it's even got some wrath of god type effects so most of these colors i think have as far as like white red blue and black in the cube have both aggro and control components and then green really i think is pretty uh, mono in what it wants to do it wants to ramp and cast some big things or ramp to help your other colors do their Mm -hmm. big things as far as white on the control side you've got the the wrath of god the day of judgment type deal and then oblivion ring banishing light to help you clean up planeswalkers on the other side of the battlefield or even pesky creatures and then some premium removal like journey to nowhere path to exile to help you deal with creatures and i think if you're trying to play a control deck um, you should just be aware control decks in the modern cube look different from control decks in the vintage cube right because modern's more based around creatures yeah. so i think creature creature removal goes up quite a bit in modern cube if you're trying to play play a control deck yeah these wrath effects are going to be such high picks for control decks because they're really going to make a lot of the decks in the format fold when you cast them yep for sure and then on the other side of things on the aggro side uh you got your token makers as far as token producers there's a uh, hero of blade hold lingering souls or a couple other ones that uh, just actually make tokens spectral processions another one that's the yeah. uh, alternate casting cost of like two 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 or white 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 to make three one one flying tokens and obviously in this deck you're hoping to cast it for white 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 right a lot of two ones for one running around running around and then anthem effects to pump those up like plus two plus two dictate of heliod is three white white for a flash plus two plus two to your team that card doesn't look like much it is a house in this deck if you get the mono the mono white deck so yeah i think i think that's kind of what white is about there some cards that really pull me into white uh, a johnny vengeant bane slayer angels a great one the five drop five five flyer it's got lifelink first strike just generally a must kill type thing or the game's gonna be over in a hurry here are the blade hold also another like four drop that is a must answer type threat and a lot of those control type cards the ras the o-ring the path to exile resto angels another good one that just even if you're not going infinite with it with kiki jiki just continually overperforms and can flash it in on your opponent's end step to kill planeswalkers functions similar to a haste card in that regard and there's a lot of enter the battlefield effects that it like refreshes so it's very very good yeah, absolutely. In that blue-white uh, aggro bounce deck I was oh, talking yeah. about, a lot of those blue cards have return target creature to its owner's hand on them. Like Resto Angeling, one of those is just pretty backbreaking. Do you have anything else to add to white? Yeah, I wanted to mention that I think because the format is so skewed towards Planeswalkers, or at least slightly skewed towards Planeswalkers because they're the most powerful cards, that picking up cards like Banishing Light or Oblivion Ring are really good even if you're not in white because that catch-all removal spell is splashable those are like that's a, a reason that i would want to grab a fetch land and a couple duels to be able to like get a free white source a few free white sources to be able to splash this so that you can just deal with that planeswalker kill it dead or deal with a sword pretty easily even if you're not in white so i, I would be on the lookout for those i think those are pretty high picks in non-white decks as well so yeah i think just if you're if you're gonna dive into modern cube when it rolls around on magic online make sure you are Picking, picking the most powerful cards, some of the ones we've named here first, 
and then really trying to draft a deck and fill your the rest of the cards out with cards that want to go together in a deck and a strategy like that Mm -hmm. that'll probably set you up for the most success man you know starting this podcast i was like still not pretty excited about modern cube because it's less fun than the other two but now i'm just jonesing i really really want to draft cube right now (laughs) yeah absolutely (laughs) even as sweet of our as hour of devastation is cube cube is good actually i don't know hour of devastation might be almost as much fun as the modern cube yeah i think so i think that says a lot a lot about how good hour of devastation is yeah for sure We've got also some questions here. One of our listeners, known as Generation D20 on Twitch, uh, emailed the show. Um, And again, we encourage listeners to do that. We'd love to answer your questions on the show. He's got a few questions for us here. The first one uh, was, who introduced you to the game of Magic, Ethan? My older brothers played when I was really young. So I sort of learned through playing with them. And I was playing with like one of my like childhood friends a lot. He also played. But yeah, that's that's how I learned. How about you? Uh, very similar. I have two older brothers that uh, started playing and they got me into it. And I specifically remember getting my first pack of cards. I was in second grade and I had to get my tonsils taken out. So we went to Evansville, which is like the big city near near Jasper. And on the way home, we stopped and I got a pack of magic cards as my like reward for being good when I had my tonsils taken out. Nice. Um, so yeah, my older brothers got me into it, and they still continue to play. And my other, my younger brother plays as well. So it's pretty cool at like family gatherings. We can sit down and do a little little four person draft every now and then. Sweet. Here's the, the next question. Here we got is: Have you played any other card games? I have played other card games. I am a sucker for card games in general. Magic, obviously, being my primary card game of choice. But uh, I played a lot of Hearthstone. I haven't done that much recently since I started streaming. Uh, because and and really with the advent of leagues, I think leagues are really what pushed Hearthstone out of my life. Because the convenience of leagues, I can just draft or play a game of Magic. Whereas previously, if I only had half an hour or an hour, I would have played Hearthstone. Uh, mm-hmm. That that kind of restrictions kind of gone. Leagues are great. Yeah. Um, so Hearthstone, and then I play a lot of just playing card games: uh, euchre, cinch, spades, hearts. I would really like to get into bridge. I haven't haven't learned to play bridge yet, but that's definitely on my bucket list. I'm going to learn to play bridge at some point in my life. And I am officially the intramural Euchre champion of the University of Evansville. That's awesome. I love sick, Euchre. Sick brags. That is a sick brag. <laughs> I lo- you you're not you're not as high on Euchre, right? You don't like it as much. No, Euchre is like the pleb casual card game. Spades is where it's at. Wow. Spades, Spades and Cinch. I, so this, this is such a random non sequitur, but so this like, you know, you get those like flashback Facebook photos. It's like, this is what you were doing three years ago or whatever. So I was in this uh, production of Othello uh, that I had like an hour. Basically, there's like an hour in the play where it's just like the three main characters, four main characters. And so me and three other people would play Euchre for an hour backstage every show. Nice. And so that like photo of us playing came up. I just miss that. I love that game so much. It's so fun. But uh I guess it's like it's kind of easy, but I think that's why it's a good one for you don't often find sickos like yourself who are just like always willing to just like learn any new game and play any sort of complicated game. It's like a pretty good still has some strategy to it, but it goes quickly. But yeah, I, I like Euchre a lot. Uh so how about you? Have you played any other card games? Uh yeah, I actually played a lot of poker. Um, not so much anymore, but I used to, so it used to be like legal online and it is not anymore except for in three States. Um, but I used to play online poker a lot. It was like sort of part of my income. So that was like my, there was like a brief overlap for my obsession of magic and poker at the same time, but then poker didn't like sort of stopped being a viable thing to do online. Um, so then I just started playing magic a lot, but yeah, poker's basically the number one, 
uh, game. I've played a, some Euchre. I've played, you know, some Hearts, some Spades. But that's about it. No other, like, fantasy, like, trading card games. And I've dabbled in Hearthstone just a little bit, but only on, like, Wednesday downtimes. So do you, when you say, like, poker, like, full-on, like, you know all the in-depth poker strategy? Like, have you read strategy on how to play poker and things yeah, like that? Yeah, I used to be, yeah, like, I've read a lot of books, watched a lot of videos, I've yeah, played a lot. So are you start, is that, like, specifically Hold'em or, like... Specifically Texas, tech, No Limit Texas Hold'em, yeah. Very cool. Yeah, I love playing poker. My friends in high school, uh, we played a lot of poker. I, I've never, like, dived into, like, being a serious poker player, but we played a lot of... Uh, like bring your bag of change and play like five cent, ten cent, like yeah. dealers cho- dealers choice games, or um, we have every once in a while we do like a ten dollar game of hold'em or whatever. But yeah, I've never I've never done it very seriously. Yeah, I mean I'm sure you'd be good. There's like a reason why there's so much overlap between professional magic players and professional poker players. The like the skill set for the games are very similar. Yeah, cool. And then he he's got one more question for us here, a little more of a serious type question. Uh, when is curve more important than power level? I've watched a number of your drafts where you ended up with a <laughs> with a three drop dong curve, patent pending, patent pending, yeah. Uh, but won the games in dominant fashion. So am I value, overvaluing my two drop, three drop, and four drop ratio? What do you think about that? Okay, so I think one that this is set dependent. So you can look at sort of the most aggressive sets. Like I didn't play during this format, but Triple Zendikar, people sort of reference that as being a very aggressive set. And I have played it since when they flashed it back on Magic Online. So in that kind of format, your curve is super important, probably more important than anything. You just like want whatever one drops and two drops you can get. It doesn't really matter what they say, but like two mana two ones, two mana two twos were like the all-star. So a three drop dong curve, as uh, he so puts it, would not have done well in those formats. In a format like Hour of Devastation Amonkhet, it's not as aggressive. Certainly you can have uh, good red-white aggro decks, good green-white aggro decks, but the format is pretty diverse and there are mid-range and control decks as well. And I think in those, in that kind of format, you don't need to have uh, just a 2-mana two 2-2 two two when a Sunscourge champion on turn 3 would do just as good. Right? Having a 3-mana a 2-3 two, a two that's going to gain you a little life is going to do way more than just a, whatever, the Defiant Kenra that random one and a red two two from hour of devastation like so i think you want to look at one what the sort of pace of the format is for the your curve and also it's matchup dependent as well so you may find that some two mana two twos are good against some decks and then side them out against other decks or side them in against other decks that kind of thing yeah i think your answer is spot on of format dependent and i think specifically in hour of devastation it's much less so more than other formats. I think in Hour of Devastation, card quality is kind of what reigns supreme here because mm-hmm. um, the format's a little bit slower. So if your three drops are insanely good, it doesn't matter that you have a lot of three drops because you're going to probably have the time to cast all of them as long as you build your curve correctly. And then what you said about sideboarding in stuff, like if you find you're you know going to get templed out by blue-red spells or a green-white exert beatdown deck, then bring in like change your curve so it's better out of the sideboard to match up against those aggro decks but i think in general in this format uh curve is less important and power level is much more important agree i think it's a great place to end the episode i agree as well all right so uh next episode we're looking forward to wrapping up hour of devastation i cannot believe that the format is already almost over i know it came it was beautiful, it evolved, and it'll be gone. Yeah, so we're going to maybe talk about a little more cube stuff and definitely wrap up Hour of Devastation. And the following week is already time for the set review for our I next know. step. 
I'm really excited about the Ixalan set review. I feel like we kind of got like a, a little pass cause with Hour of Devastation because like it was similar to Amonkhet, so we already sort of had a base level of reviewing it. It'll be really interesting to do the set review of a fresh set. Yeah, I am absolutely looking forward to talking about pirates and dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah. Thank you to Salty Pretzels, as usual, for our intro and outro music. Uh, he's also streaming on Twitch these days. Make sure you pop over to his channel and give it a listen. Very, very cool stuff going on over there. And if you're on Twitch, come check out me and Ben as well. We're streaming magic nearly every day at twitch.tv slash Lord Tupperware. That's me. And twitch.tv slash Mr. Metronome. That's Ben. Both of us can be found on Twitter under those same usernames, Lord Tupperware and Mr. Metronome. Shoot us uh, a question. Check out uh, our, our deck picks there. We love to hear from you. <laughs> what, yeah. I, can't say, I can't say deck picks? You can say deck picks. What's wrong? Um, nothing. Nothing at all. <laughs> nothing at all um and i just want to i just want to plug again your youtube videos it's, it's oh, really yeah. good stuff and and people need to go uh check those out they're they're excellent thanks man yeah we don't have a clean youtube url yet but you can check that out there's a link to the youtube channel on my twitch page and also uh posts for those youtube videos will be on twitter whenever they come out Anybody's got feedback about the show or questions, send us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com like our friend Generation D20 did. We would love to hear from more of you. Yeah, thanks everybody so much for listening and we'll catch you next week for another episode of Lords of Limited. Yep, thanks everybody. See you later. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply.